BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The number of COVID-positive hospital patients continues to climb in L.A. County. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, the county could be headed for another public mask mandate. Almost 990 COVID-positive patients are hospitalized in L.A. County right now. If that continues to rise, the community risk level could hit the CDC's high threshold as soon as next week. And if L.A. County stays in the high-risk category for two weeks, a public indoor mask mandate will be reinstated. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. There are many people, particularly in essential work environments, where they would benefit if more people around them were actually using some of the safety precautions that we know work. And that's the case with masking. L.A. County has been in the medium community risk level since mid-May. Ferrer said hospitals, emergency rooms, and urgent care centers are reporting more COVID-related illnesses. About nine people die each day in L.A. County from the virus. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. In other virus-related news, monkeypox cases have doubled in California in the last week. And more than a third of those cases are in San Francisco, where vaccine supply isn't keeping up. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño has more. Calls for more monkeypox vaccine have come in the wake of recent Pride events, which helped spread the virus. It transmits through skin contact and can cause flu-like symptoms and blister-like sores. San Francisco AIDS Foundation CEO Tyler Termier says his organization has 400 people on a waiting list for the vaccine, but he's only received enough shots for 30 people. We need vaccines. We need them now. We are really pushing to try and get at least a thousand doses of vaccine in the next 30 days to be able to respond effectively before it grows into a larger issue. This is really a critical time. Peter Chin Hong is an infectious disease specialist at UCSF. If we don't really intervene very powerfully now, we may not be able to have this fizzle out uh, and go away forever. In other words, this may become endemic. San Francisco public health officials say they received over 2,000 new vaccine doses this week. That's almost four times what they got the week before. And they expect that supply to increase. Right now, their goal is to give shots to as many people as possible who have been directly exposed to the monkeypox virus. As more doses become available, they'll expand eligibility to other high-risk groups, including those who are immunocompromised. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. Now let's go down south. Friendship Park on the U.S.-Mexico border is a place where families separated by the border can see and talk to each other through the fence. But new plans by the Biden administration to rebuild the border wall may put an end to that tradition. 
KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with activists who are angered by the new development. Yeah, this latest announcement really amounts to the complete desecration of this historic location. That's Reverend John Fanestil, a longtime advocate for Friendship Park. He says that replacing the existing fences with two 30-foot-tall walls would destroy any sense of binational unity in this space. Friendship Park is located in the coastal borderlands in the southern edge of San Diego County, and it's become hollowed ground for families separated by the border. People have used this park as a gathering place where they can see their loved ones on the other side of the border. But plans for the new border wall do not include gates or any space for families to see each other. Reverend Seth Clark says that he was shocked by the plans, particularly because President Joe Biden ran on a campaign promise to stop Trump's border wall, not expand it. And that's really disappointing, right? Because there was this promise that things were going to be different, that there would not be any more walls. Customs and Border Protection confirmed plans to replace the existing fence, but the agency did not respond to questions about public access in the future. For The California Report, I'm Gustavo Solis in San Diego. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! California's cannabis industry is still struggling to find its footing since the state legalized pot more than five years ago. New tax breaks from the state aim to help stabilize the market, but plenty of people in the industry are still not convinced the shifts will make enough of a dent. We wanted to know what this means for all involved, so we called up David Downs. He's a senior editor at Leafly covering cannabis policy and legalization. He started by explaining to me what the market looks like right now. If prohibition was a golden era for producers, new freer market forces are making uh, legalization a golden era for consumers. Um, The retail world is still bottlenecked and the illicit markets operating with impunity, undercutting those that are playing by the rules. So, I mean, the question is like, who's going to survive medium to long term? Uh, It looks like it's going to be bigger, uh, lower margin, whale-heeled businesses and all but the best medium and small growers um, might go broke. I had talked to one guy whose friend was a grower who's exiting the market right now. He's going back to his family business. They make steel. 
uh, California has oh. got plenty of marijuana. What we're missing is steel right now. And so we're having some market exits. Uh, interesting, interesting. Um, what your answer uh, brings me to one of my other questions. Um, and that's looking at the equity and, you know, what's the problem there, which you mentioned a little bit, but maybe you can elaborate more and what needs to be done to fix it. Yeah, California led the way in trying to put people uh, who were victimized by the war on drugs first for licenses. But those individuals ran into the same problems that small businesses are going to face as a whole in California, which is really suffocating red tape and really, really high taxes. And the, the AB 195, this new um, bill that passed, um, throws uh, some relief to equity businesses, but they're saying it's not enough. They're gonna, equity businesses are going to get a $10,000 tax credit. They're going to get a 20% excise tax rebate. And um, there'll be more efforts like that coming. But they're saying that's still not enough because one of the real friction points is the local cannabis business taxes, which can run zero to 15 percent of your gross receipts. For every dollar that comes in, you could be giving a dime to the city of L.A. Those gross receipts tax are divorced from reality. Um, 10 percent might be your margin as a small business. And so, for example, in L.A., that 10 percent business tax is 2,808 times higher than the business tax on a check cashing place. In Oakland, the top business tax rate for pot is 417 times higher than the business tax rate on gun shops. Equity businesses are being hammered the hardest because they're small, they need higher margins, and they can't afford, can't afford it. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California, the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And so what needs to be done to fix this? I mean, um, the industry wants to see lower taxes and less regulations that'll help end the retail bottleneck. So um, AB 195 includes $20 million to get cities and counties off their butts licensing local stores. Only 32% of California cities and counties even allow retail sales. And where they do allow it, it can take years and millions of dollars to even open the front door of your store. And that's because of things like zoning, planning, CEQA, and permitting. And these are bigger problems in California. That's the reason why we're missing housing and why we're missing transit. Um, so they want to overall see the, that environment change because, for example, LA, the biggest cannabis market in the world legally, never licensed new stores since 2016. LA has five stores per 100,000 people. That's in contrast to Oklahoma, which has medical, has 49 stores per 100,000 people. So Oklahoma has 10x the access of Los Angeles at this point, and it's a real object lesson in how um, heavy state governments can squelch the will of the voters. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David. I appreciate your time again. Thanks, Maddie. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. A recent study showed that of all the counties in the lower 48 states, Ventura County's temperature has risen the most over the last 125 years. Fire, drought, winds, none of those are good for farming. Neither is Ohio's rising cost of real estate. Here's an excerpt from Lisa Morehouse's series, California Foodways, which takes her to every one of California's 58 counties to bring us a story about food. When I walk into the packing house at Friends Ranches, 
Tony Ayala is getting ready for the weekend's farmer's markets, sorting tangerines by size. So right now what I'm doing is all the smalls go there, the mediums go straight into boxes. While he's working, I ask about changes he's seen in Ojai's weather. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, every year there would be snow on these mountains and there would be snow for weeks on end. Now, if it snows, it lasts maybe till noon, if that. He says the biggest difference for him was something he witnessed over the course of his first career, the 25 years he spent as a firefighter and battalion chief. The winter was the time to get a lot of training done and things, other things. You didn't have to worry about fire, but Thomas fires was December 3rd. I mean, that's one of the biggest fires we've had in December. The Thomas fire in 2017 caused an estimated $170 million in damages to Ventura County's agriculture industries. Flames came right over the metal building I'm standing in with Tony. They lost 3.5 acres of tangerines and avocados. Citrus trees don't carry fire very well, and this whole valley is citrus, and that's what basically saved us. But the fire impacted farmers in ways I'd never considered. That's reporter Lisa Morehouse. Fire, drought, and rising real estate prices. What does the future hold for farming in Ojai Valley? That's this week on the California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or to the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, July 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizuguchi, and Daphne Young. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day and weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org Hint! Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.